Welcome to the Jeffrey Podcast. I'm John, and I'm here with my brother, Gordon. Hello. And this is uh, an extra special bit of the podcast because we recently did a podcast talking about the brilliant Swedish indie pop band Kameda. And in order to actually know anything about them and to do some research, we spoke to their bass player, Marcus Holmberg, who very kindly agreed to an interview. So this podcast is just an interview with Marcus. Thanks very much for agreeing to do this. Really appreciate it. We were big Kameda fans back in the 90s and around that time. So with, although we never get to see you live, so that was always a, uh, a pity for us. But Yeah, we didn't do Great Britain so much. We played uh, in 97, I think, just as um, support for Beck, his Oddly tour. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then we never returned. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, what the name of the band? Yes, um, which we've always pronounced Komeda. I don't know if that's correct pronunciation, but you also did a song of Kuldisak, which I'm guessing is from the the album of Christoph Komeda. What was the reason you chose that name? What was the link to Christoph Komeda? We were just big fans of his music, his film music, uh, and we watched uh, uh, Dance of the, his movie Dance of the Vampire. I think we watched it a million times uh, in our childhood and also Rosemary's right. Baby and, and, and we just I think we wanted to to, to um, make so, sort of a statement we, we also <laughs> the first name was Cosma Comeda uh, that would be from Vladimir Cosma also French movie score conductor so I guess we wanted to like befriend ourselves with movie soundtracks and such. Right. Well, when you say we, was that you and Jonas primarily? Or and was that with Len yeah. from the beginning? Yeah, Lena and Hendrik as well, our first guitarist. So you all four grew up together, did you? Yeah. Okay. So we were quite a tight unit. And you started off playing silent films, being a... Uh, not really. It's actually, the band started a few years earlier, actually. And then we, before we, we started recording our first album, we made a collaboration with another band from Umeå. And we just spoke to the managers of, of the lo- local film festival and said, we want to make music for a silent movie. Because there was a band, or there was an artist, a Finnish artist called Ansi Tikameki, who was there, uh, and he made some music for um, some film. And there there were some concerts made with live music for silent films, and we thought it was a great idea. And uh, so it was sort of in the same in the beginning when when we started making our first album. We had recently made that, but the band existed before as well. Oh, even on your albums, and when we um, when you look online, there's not really much information about Kameda. Um, was was that actually a strategy to be a little bit mysterious? Or was it just from the time, because you were with a small record label, and just how it was? Both, I think. It's a strategy, but uh, it, it was a small label. Uh, the internet was slowly evolving Yeah. Uh, when, when we emerged as well. So yeah, uh, it, was, it was quite a difficult time getting across, for us at least. Uh, but... I guess we are mysterious. <laughs> it's a simple fact. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a strategy. Strategy, though. 
And so what what was your songwriting process with the with the four of you? Uh, the four of us for the first record was very, very, very many hours rehearsing. Uh, rehearsing just for the sake of it, rehearsing and playing and, and learning to communicate with our instruments and our music. And so I don't want to... Uh, what's it called? Well, speaking of the first album, we we had... All, all the material was written and we had rehearsed it all the songs a lot and they had shaped, changed shape and uh, lots of times and we rearranged stuff all the time at that point. So mostly I guess uh, Henrik the guitarist was a very very creative guy. Every morning <laughs> remember it, he had a new idea oh listen, this this is great I've got this new, new thing, you can do it like this, you can play and uh, well we I wasn't so much a part of the, the the creative process then, more than just rehearsing and playing bass. And we were sort of a democratic collective, uh, everybody gave, giving their input. But uh, I guess the the creative, uh, the guy with the most musical ideas, I guess, was Henrik at that time, and Jonas as well, uh, the, the drummer, because he, he played a lot too. And he, he was working a lot with uh, the Porter recorder, at that okay. time, yeah, we all did actually. So, so um, on on your first album, still, what do you do? You have favorite tracks from that album? Yes, I do. For a very long time, I I, I still I think it's a great album. I think it's incredible, actually, how we managed to make it. It was uh, also it was a, such a wonderful, really really intense part of our lives. And just uh, developing the skills or the trying all musical ideas, and that I guess part of it came from that what you spoke of earlier, but with the silent movie orchestra. Because then we we had the freedom in the, that silent movie orchestra. We had the freedom not to work as a pop orchestra, so we used all kinds of stupid instruments, live instruments with vibraphones and xylophones and. Uh, marimbas and bells and lots and lots of drums and lots and lots of keyboards and and then we implemented that on our first album as well and one of our best friends who was also part of that uh, silent works that worked at the uh, local uh, symphony orchestra in Umeå so he said what do you want what instruments do you want come I'll show you and, and it was like a a magical room with all the instruments, with the, the all different kind of bells and, and stuff. And we just said, oh, we want that one, that one, that one, that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it to you in the studio. And uh, so that was very much an album of just adding and adding and adding and using a new, oh, this melody blends great into that one. Could we try that with this instrument? And uh, so on. There was just no no limits, just the more, the better. <laughs> more was more. It sounds like a really exciting time. Yeah. Just making your first proper album, I guess, as well, and having that freedom. It sounds really exciting. Were, were you able to pick a favorite track? Oh, if sorry. We, if we, it must be quite hard to do. You must be feel a lot of affection for them all, I guess. Yeah, actually, I do. I, if I have to pick one, it should be... I'll pick the one in seven-fourths called Shana which means star, the fifth from the, from the, no, maybe, I don't know what, what uh, edition you have. I have, well, yeah, I have the, the Minty one. Fresh. 
<clears throat> the minty fresh one. Yeah. yeah. That was re-released. No, it's got 714 on it as well. But it's, um, I can do that. You see the track listing, they're separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, a, a mouthful. But it's a song called uh, STJ Arna. Shana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shana. I got it. I think it's beautiful. And I mean, stars. Uh, still. Yeah. It brings out sort of the genius of, of us all in the band. The vocals are, are brilliant and the guitar playing as well and, and the drum. And Well, it's a great song, actually, I think. And the opening track is, well, I, I like many of most of them. You, um, I mean, it was, it was fairly soon after this that Henrik left. What yeah. happened there? I mean, you said you were quite a tight unit. Well, as I said, we, as you said, we, we were really, really tight. We were like a, a family, uh, sisters and brothers. And uh, I guess Henrik just wanted to have his own freedom and do other stuff. So he formed another band and started a journey of his own. Right. Do you still see him? Are you still in touch? Yeah. So um, not very often, but we're at good terms. Right. And then Matthias joined. How did you, Matthias Norlander, how did you meet him? How did that happen? Uh, He was in in the first... (laughs) <laughs> one of the biggest indie bands actually in called Blythe uh, and uh, he was just very we were taken by his intensity on stage and we asked him if he wanted to join us and he wanted to it suited him fine because they were kind of um, what's it called they were dissolving right. that band and then, then so, you did and, the plan 714 oh sorry go on yeah then we did Plan 714, which is a stupid, stupid title. It's a reference to uh, Hergé's Tintin. You know that tin, yeah. Tintin, Tintin, the yeah. detective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we made that, and all of a sudden, all the, all the song, uh, the basic songs were made, I think, it started with me and Jonas sort of doing this those, those um, foundations for the songs. Lena doing it most of the vocals as well. Yeah. It does sound quite a lot different. I mean, Fuego de la Vida in particular feels very much like it's a real stepping stone to the next album, to Genius. It just has a different kind of feel to it. Yeah. Are you deliberately trying it? Was it deliberate? You're trying out a different sound or was it just because Henrik left and you well, changed your methods? Both, again, both. Uh, Henrik left and we had to work in a new way and uh, we just wanted to get a move on and, and sort of make an effort and, and, and make uh, get on get on with it sort of right and uh, we didn't want to um, to work in the same spirit well even more in, in the next album this it was sort of a, a test for us just four songs and see what, what can we do now and this came out Okay. Wait, did did you feel when you say what can we do now? Did you feel was your confidence knocked when Henrik left? Were you no, not sure? knocked, but but we with a new guitarist and we just had to when we when we made the pop posvenska when we started the, those recordings we we had lyrics in English and and during the process uh, Jonas came with the <laughs> quite difficult idea to just uh, we got to switch. Uh, we got to sing in our native tongue. Uh, let's rewrite everything. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we did. Uh, that was kind of crazy days and nights because uh, 
and and we all tried to write as, as many and as much lyrics in Swedish as we could. Yeah. And um, so Plan 714, we we did a couple of songs and just, ah, let's get, get these on tape and let's uh, get this party started. So after then, you were... Uh... You moved to Minty Fresh Records. How how did that happen? I'm not sure actually. We we were still on the the, the Umeå label, uh, North of No South, and they licensed the music to Minty Fresh because they were like uh, reaching out and looking for interesting uh, music all over, and uh, we liked their attitude as well. And uh, yeah, they had released. They had been working with Cardigans, the Cardigans another oh, yeah. Swedish band, so they sort of uh, launched their American career as well. And, well, we thought it was a great idea. It just worked out fine. And you, you switched to English language, although you kind of didn't, did you really? But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we switched again and thought uh, that was what I was uh, trying to get to, that new struggles new new methods to work new new ways of writing lyrics new ways of uh, making music and 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 this time it was more the genius of Khmer if, if we can start talking about that record maybe we changed yeah. the language just for the fun of it and thought uh, let's uh, maybe we we thought the lyrics for the the first album in particular were maybe a bit uh, uh, was, I don't know the the word. Um, it was so big, and uh, they should contain everything. And they were dealing with big, pomp- pompous uh, subjects and matters, and quite quite a uh, what's it called? Lyrics of the of youth. <laughs> and with we thought, yes, quite serious yes, and yes. dealing with big issues. So we we were we were great uh, poets. <laughs> that <really. laughs> and I mean, we we were very very influenced by like sort of uh, too too big of. I I, I was uh, difficult to explain uh, expressing this, but like we we list, we le- uh, read T. S. Eliot and uh, we read uh, like Dada lyrics and stuff, and we we had no. <laughs> no boundaries. We thought we could do anything, so we were quite big-headed. And now we might we might have come to terms that we we had limits as well. <laughs> A lot of the influences you're talking about are outside of music. You're talking about film and and literature and those things. What were your main influences within music, apart from obviously Christoph Komeda himself? Everything. Uh, we we. We started out uh, as sort of a punk, punk rockers in uh, the mid mid eighties right. and post punk, like uh, British punk and British post punk, and uh, and then we just went off. We were childs of our time. We listened a lot to like what our parents had listened to before us, and we uh, we found out about uh, Can and the Velvet Underground and. The behemoths, the mammoths, and we—I mean—we draw influences from drew influences from like movies and pop music and film film scores as well. New wave. It seems that yeah, it seems to be quite a wide range of influences, and as I said, not yeah. just music, a lot of other things as well. 
and I think that comes through. That really does come through in in the in the music. It does feel quite. It, it had quite a, a different and fresh feel. I know when I, we first encountered you, I think we found you on MTV, and we thought mm. it was something that we quite different we hadn't really heard before and all our friends that we were showing it to saying you must listen yeah. to this band they were all going wow this is this is really different and i guess that's part of the reason is your influences came from so many places and not just trying yeah. to be the, the next talking heads or whatever we found ourselves uh, enough uh, we we didn't want to measure ourselves or compare us to we couldn't compare us to any other band playing actually uh, and we didn't want to either. Yeah. As I said, we were quite big-headed and thought we we knew and uh, could do whatever we we wanted to. And also, it's it's of course uh, um, it comes from living in which was then quite a small city outside of the the where like stuff was going on in Stockholm or England or the United States. So you. We just uh, drove our bikes uh, for for an hour to our rehearsing studio, and we just spent our weekends there. And we had uh, not much else in our minds except for playing. Well, you mentioned already the genius of which is the first album that I got of yours, and it yeah. the packaging in particular. I mean, the packaging is hilarious yeah. <laughs> with the <laughs> yes. all the different albums inside that you've got for yeah, all the different too. eras that they still make me laugh often. now yeah. um uh, some of them especially well it yeah i guess but it's uh you know think i think yeah. my favorite ones are kameda agogo which i think is, and i love the one that's like really serious like um the the live in osaka one it just it's so indicative of the time that it's pretending to be from but whose idea was this? Because it's uh, so well done. Bartok with a beat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's so creative. It, yeah, it was, I love that one. <laughs> um, I guess it was the, the the graphic designers, Sweden, like they were they were called at that time. Magnus Ostrom was one of the two guys, and Nille Svensson was the other one. And uh, Magnus Ostrom co-produced our, uh, What Makes It Go as well. So they kind of... Uh, I don't know if it was them or or Jonas or any who, who it was, but we all went like crazy for the idea to to make all these uh, fictive albums and titles, and we thought it was very very much fun. And uh, well, we didn't intend to, but some people actually thought that they, this was our back catalogue. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. well, it goes. It goes back to what no. Gordon said earlier. There wasn't a lot of information available. No. So you didn't know. We didn't know. If, um, we didn't even know the pop pasvenska. No. In in, no, in the when, UK, that wasn't available. So who? I mean, we worked. We worked out it was a joke, yes, but yes, you could understand yes. how somebody might. And not. there's one of them. This one is actually a single. Mm. The, the boogie woogie. Yeah. Oh, stupid. Okay. So that's really stupid. This is yeah. our single "Travels in Stereo" with the song "Woogie Woogie <laughs> Rock and Roll," which has a chorus that says, "There's a party going on." Uh, good luck, listeners, yeah, to find genius, that song. It? We we made it. We made it quite hard for you. Did for you, you really? Guys. Did. Uh, yes, yeah. you really did. I um, do have that. <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> great. There is um, there's there's humor in your music throughout. I mean, there's, there's there's a real humorous side mm -hmm. to what you do. It it sounds like yes. 
you're not taking yourselves that seriously. I mean that in a good way, as in you, you're kind of doing it with a we, wink and a and a nod to the audience. Is that true? Yeah, and we tried to. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess we took ourselves really seriously, and and we had to take take the the edges of that by right uh, having fun as well. So it's it, they're both true, you know. Uh, we. We had a tremendous uh, self-confidence, and maybe too much for for that to be our profile. So <laughs> we had fun as well, and we also we one of our fa- absolutely absolute fa- fab- favorite bands was uh, Devo, who people didn't know how to respond to as well. Mm. Uh, and uh, we didn't want to do the same thing and, and them, but I mean, for us they were a hundred percent for real. But uh, I know lots of people just thought they were crazy and, and corny. But I mean, their first album is well, it's one of the the best all time, you know, through all times. I don't know them. Do you know them, Gordon? Um, only a little bit. I've heard a couple of songs, but I don't know them well. I have to check. I'll check them out. Yeah, Devo. Their first album, Q. Question: Are we not men? Answer: We are Devo. Brilliant. I will listen to Brilliant. that tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. You should. Produced by Brian Eno. Okay. Well, that's worth listening from, to then. Yeah, yeah. they're from uh, uh, Akron, Ohio, and they did. You you must have heard their top breakthrough song in America. I guess it was called Whip It. All right. Yes. With the stupid hats. Yes. <laughs> so, but the brilliant band, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with the covers, we like to. When we made this one, this is the mm. Swedish, the first print. It could have been all yellow because it's in here. It's like uh, in relief. Yeah, it says mm. the Beatles. I mean the uh, Cometa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we wanted to, we were wanted to paraphrase uh, things all the time, and so. I guess like this, uh, it's a paper mm-hmm. thing. And, and our dream was to, when we made this, was to make an album, a uh, vinyl album. And that for a, we were kind of in shock when we couldn't make it, <laughs> make it in vinyl. Mm-hmm. So we, we even, we had like, uh, you know, in vinyl albums, there, there is sometimes an inscription mm-hmm. here. Yeah. We, we must have an inscription. And Jonas had a dream. He dreamt someone saying... Troll parkering and must It says in small letters here. Stupid dream, dream, surrealistic uh, sentence. The parking of trolls must uh, cease to exist. <laughs> uh, so yes, uh, and that's kind of mysterious. Yeah, I get what you mean. Now I hadn't thought about it so much that so we were hard to to get. But uh, anyway, we were we like things to have uh, an edge and be be funny without being corny. Well, it, it was funny and it wasn't corny. And it, as you say, there was some depth to it as well. I'm going to, can I ask you again about the genius of what, could you pick a favorite track from this one? Yes. Or a favorite two tracks or whatever? I mean, the world deserves to hear more of the, the Boogie Woogie Rock and Roll theme. Uh, it's a re- it's a it's a knockout and and disco I, I I really love the song and yeah I guess those are my favorites. Okay. No, I don't know. They, they, these are quite prolific songs as well. Light of my life. It's uh, brilliant. 
and the horns on on the number eight if beautiful up yeah it's a great album it's a really good album i played it so much and you're right in the 90s you just couldn't get vinyl anywhere it was only cds no. there's no vinyl. Yeah. yeah if you were doing it now there'd be no problem everybody's gone back to vinyl but you know this has been released as a vinyl it's the only one of our albums uh, oh, released as an, in vinyl um, on record store day uh, minty fresh like five years ago or something they released it in vinyl I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, I've seen it on Instagram, people playing it. So, so I think it's around this time you were touring with Ben Folds 5 and Beck as support slots. Do you have sort of um, good memories of that, the experience, any showbiz gossip? Really good memories, we, really good times. Beck and his band were really nice guys, re- really great. They were no um, spectacular things more than that, as I said. When you that age, around your 20s, and Beck, the biggest man, as he was called in some Rolling Stone or something, the mo- most important figure in music today. And then he calls us in the middle of the night, or uh, his representative. Beck wants you to tour with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah? <laughs> so, sounds all right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and at the same yeah. time, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really funny and fun, really fun. And uh, we were, yeah, it was great times. We did things a bit over our budget as well. We rented a bus and we did drank too much wine and beer, but we had really good times. And Ben Folds Five, they were also super great guys. And it was just uh, fantastic driving around the United States because a lot of driving it was. I don't have any, what's it called, any gossip <laughs> at this time, no. Oh, never mind. No exclusives for us. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't, I'm, I'm not good at that. <laughs> okay. So I think at this time as well, you, you, you had your videos from the genius of We're on MTV. I think you were, you were on a couple of soundtracks that... Gilmore Girls and Powerpuff Girls. I think on a com- there was a computer game as well, but I can never remember the name of them. I don't do them. Did it feel to you that you were sort of beginning to bake, break through and, you know, you were gaining momentum? Yes. Yes, and we, we talked about uh, how do we proceed or maybe it was how do we develop this. And so our major... Mint Fresh made it, lots of things happen. Uh, so we were mainly happening in the United States, not so much in England. There was a great review of one gig, I remember, when the enemy said that they were hyping everything then, but that week they hyped us and said that the sky was the limit. So that was fun as well. And um, we wanted to do do more to, to make it bigger as well, but it was quite difficult for us to... You have to spend lots lots and lots of time in the States to make it big in the States. And I guess we weren't prepared to, to move there. But no regrets. What makes it go was then next. So this, this feels like a, another step forward in style. Quite a sort of happy album, a bit more sort of polished and pop. Did you have a different process in, in making this? Yeah, 
from the sketchiness of the genius of Komet, that was a sort of a response to what we did on Popo Svenska, like to minimalize and, and downscale. And some of the songs are just like three or four instruments because we, we didn't want that bombastic feeling. We wanted to make it more naked, I, I think. And then on What Makes It Go, we thought that, uh, okay, let's make an album with solely hit songs, uh, pop, pop, pop masterpieces all, all the way through. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you yeah. want to have to try, right? Yeah, so you'd not lost... Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. You'd not lost your confidence at this point, then? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody tries, right? Yeah. N- not everybody, I we try. We try to make each each and every song as concise and dense as and poppy as as we could at that time. I love your bass playing in the first one, Binario. If oh. I pronounce it probably yeah. wrongly, but I love that bass twang that you do in the beginning. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah, Thanks. me too. I play. I play the the a funk. Uh, I copy sort of Larry Graham on that one, but on a on a Huffner bass. Okay. To slap, I'm slapping the Hofner bass. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so it okay. sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, I love that twang at the beginning of that. I think that sounds really good. Thanks. I was staring quite enviously at your behind you, your um, Fender, as well. Looking at that thing, that looks pretty good. The bass. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's my most recent bass, actually. One of those student music master basses, small and uh, superb. I can't see it very well, but... Uh... It's a head, it's a body, it's mm. strings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the uh, difficult bit. Can you pick a couple of tracks off if, off what makes it go that you, you favour? Yes, I can. I think that a simple formality is a knockout, I think. It's, got, it's a bit long, maybe, 529, really cheap. Mm. But uh, it's still a great song. Some great, great drumming song. on that, really good and, drumming. I, I love yeah, the drumming. Yeah, yeah. Jonas does brilliant on that, I think. Yes, indeed. And our hospitality might be a favorite as well. Well, still on this album, we we had like, it's a live, really a live feel to the songs. It's very energetic, which came came out from just playing the songs. I was going to, did you record them that way? You recorded them live? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely true on Simple Formality. I always think that sounds mm. almost like a, a live album song in mm. particular. So it was soon after that that when um, Matthias left, Matthias Norlander left yeah. soon after that. What, what happened yes. there? What was the... He just, uh, he's a computer engineer. So he, he started, he went off to Stockholm to for a search of fame and fortune within the computer business. Right. <laughs> but you took the odd decision not to replace him. Obviously, guitarist is a key musician in a band. Why did you yeah. decide to continue as a trio? Uh, now, it took a few years between this and the following album. And uh, we had some family... Maya and Jonas's dad passed away in 98 when this was just released. And uh, we were kind of... And Lena's mother had recently passed as well. So we were kind of occupied with things concerning those two tragical mm. things and uh, 
did we do? We did lots of theater music, music for a, a theater in Umeå. And <laughs> then I'm laughing. It's not really funny. I'm sorry. But and then uh, when we released our last album, our mother passed. So it was kind of hard times, actually. Everybody's parents go some someday, but mm. I guess it's it, it took us uh, hard. Yeah, of course. And this album, the Kokomeme Dada, as I presume I'm pronouncing it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, was this a, again obviously you just being a trio was how did that affect your writing and recording process it's strange i thought about it now uh, we had been very <laughs> experimental we had released that uh, song uh, blossom for the powerpuff girl soundtrack and we had released uh, check it out uh, another sort of child of those times it was a bit inspired well it was very much made out of like cut-ups and uh, samples. And we had been working with very, with samples and synthesizers and and loops and things in our music for those theater plays. And now suddenly we just thought, ah, to hell with it, let's make a few pop songs again. (laughs) And also we, so we weren't that experimental no more. The experimentation came from that we we recorded everything by ourselves this time. And so none of these songs is a live number, right. <laughs> I think. They're all like uh, sessions. All put together in the studio. Yeah. <clears throat> is it is it your vocal on Catcher? Catcher is Jonas. Oh, it's Jonas. Uh, and brother as well, uh, yeah, and brother as well. Minus the the reproduce. Oh, okay. That's what I think. Because obviously, this, it doesn't say on the on the album, of course. So we, never, we never know who it is. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, I guess it's. <laughs> I guess it's uh, in. Maybe it's, you don't have this. Yeah, yeah, and no, I do. I have that. Yeah. Uh, well, it, doesn't it say here? Either? I don't think it says who the vocalist is of. Unless I've missed it. Well, you have yeah. to be quite a fan if you if you go through this. But I think <clears> yeah, music, it is uh, Jonas vocals. Yeah, yeah. It does say does it, it says, but it's not. Yeah, it is very difficult to read. We've got to, and we've both got really poor eyes. As, you can, as you can tell. Yeah. What? Well, please tell. Please tell Jonas when you see him. I I love his vocal on that song. I think it's yeah, really. I find it really. Move, I find it very moving. Yeah. So, please please tell him when you see him. I will, of course. It does. It does actually feel like. I mean, now you've mentioned about your your parents dying and stuff. This probably answers this question because I was. This to me feels like a slower, more contemplative album, a bit more serious, a bit deeper. Mm. It really feels like a new direction for the band, although still poppy in places. Yeah, and I was going to ask you if this reflected how you felt at the time, but I guess that's you sort of answered that, I guess. Yeah, and actually, there were there were I think four more numbers, like really not so jolly good songs. So, so one idea was to just release all all the the, the sadness of of all the songs, but damn it, we did some pop songs as well, so we let those slow depressing songs out mm. we could have in in, in hindsight uh, it, it could have been great actually if we used them as well 
Right. And what, what happened but, to those tracks? Uh, nothing, actually. Uh, well, a few of them weren't uh, really... Weren't, we didn't finish them. But a couple of them have never been released, no. One of them was a song called It Doesn't Matter. And I think Minty Fresh released it on iTunes only. I'm not sure. It's not released in Sweden or Europe. So on the American... I guess it didn't really match what was on here. It didn't uh, fit either. That was sort of a, a great song, but uh, we decided to not use it on the album. And there are two strong songs. Maybe we can release them somehow, somewhere, sometime. It's not too. It's not too late. No. You could maybe um, fill it up with with a new album. Just a suggestion. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good. yeah. I'll think about it. Yeah. And yeah. um, staying with uh, Koke Memu Dada, which I cannot say, as you can see here. What What are your favourite two or three tracks off here? I think uh, the final number, Brother, is a great tune. Beautiful. Really melancholic story of Jonas's. And I think, uh, well, they're great, catchy songs, actually. Victory Lane is sort of a something Blondie could have do, done. Yeah, it's um, a very poppy one, isn't it? Yeah. It's very Kameda. I think it's kind of like a... Yeah, that and Blossom. And it does kind of, if you're going to listen, make someone, oh, sorry, not make, but give someone one song to listen to to illustrate your music, that would be a good one. Yeah, okay, thanks, yeah. yeah it's condensed, uh, it's a condensed song. Yeah, but that one's great. I I think Dead is, Dead is a, well... <laughs> Well, of course, dead. It's it's on the subject of losing our loved ones, uh, and I think it's uh, a cool song, sort of a crowdy, crowdy feel to it. I mean, we you asked what what music we listen to, and I I mentioned Can, and I think we Jonas played me Tago Mago, uh, an album by Can in 87 or 88 or something and we were like just crazy about this really really um uh, impossible band have you listened to can is that the japanese band am i thinking of the right no they're the Ger- german band ah okay no i don't know them just uh, i think the the best best band there is or has been and the their way of approaching things were just i think it was kind of uh, we, they they did made like concert for six hours and they just, it was lots of jamming and but they were so very very experimental and ins- inspired us on all of these albums somehow. Is that spelled? How is, is that just K A N? Is that spelled? yeah? It's a it's a it's a can C A N C A N. Okay, I'll, I'll check them yeah. out. Yeah, which which album should we try? You should try their most direct album called Ege Bamiyasi. We'll start off with the, the one I heard first. It was Tagomago and the song Vitamin C. Okay. I'll be trying them out. So, sorry, it's on the Ege Bamiyasi. Ah, well, both of them. Great. Mm. Monster movies, super. They had two of the world's most expressive vocalists. One... <laughs> well, you see for yourself. Try them. You'll like mm. them. Or, uh, actually, the first one I heard was Oh Yeah. A song from Togumago, the album after that. Well, well, try that one. Okay, thank you. So, um, what happened after Coco May May Dada? 
Yeah, there was a hiatus. We didn't do much. Uh, as I said, our mother passed as well. And this this album was made on a major label here. It's, it was, uh, as you see, it released on Universal. And uh, we were signed to Universal by one person, and we started continued working with some other couple of other guys, and it didn't take off mm. uh, as intended. And uh, we were kind of what do you say? The air went out of the balloon, whatever right. you to say. Yeah. And we did, yeah. And we started like uh, working on other kinds of music, and. Uh, after a couple of years, I moved to Stockholm as well. So we, we haven't played since. Do the others still live in Umeå? No, Jonas lives in Umeå and Lena lives in Uppsala. Okay, yeah. That's not too far away. No. So did you did you formally split up or did it, did it just sort of fizzle out? It sort of fizzled out when, uh, I guess, when I moved. We hadn't been doing this much for a few years, and uh, I wanted to try something. And we all did. They all did. Uh, Jonas as well. We all have all been making music one way or another. So, so it reached a natural end, really? Yeah. Okay. And do you think you're likely to do anything together again as, as a band? I don't think so, no. Actually, uh, we, have, we all have uh, other things... In our life, and this is quite a while ago now. It's 16 years since we did that last album, and I, I don't see it happening. But but uh, ah, me and Jonas did our first collaboration just uh, last fall. We made, together we made music for a, a a horror theater play, which we've been talking about releasing, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that was really funny, uh, really fun, and it turned out really well as well. Uh, instrumental score music. I don't know so what, what we should call ourselves, okay. but, but um, Marcus and Jonas, or what, what it turns out to be, but we might release it somehow. That would be good. Yeah. So musically, um, what are you doing now? Is it just a, a mixture? I see you've, I've seen you've got some stuff as the, you know, the home bird on SoundCloud, and looks like you're producing some stuff as well. Are you just doing bits and pieces? and, and... Yeah, bits and pieces, and I play uh, with quite a few bands actually one punk yeah. band called polyester we, we're going to release an album soon uh, and i've been playing for uh, like 10 years now now eight years maybe with a band called woodlands it's a sort of a rock and roll trio there are lots of bands called woodlands but uh, but we're one of them okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, if you try to look for them we, we made one album solely only and uh, so, as you said, I've been producing and making theater music. So it's very much uh, I'm in the music world, yeah. and we all, all, all three of us are actually. So, can yeah. I ask you one last question, please, Marcus? Which is, are, are you able to rank the albums in your in order? No, that's really really hard. This is it's so nostalgic, and it's it's uh, memories from a, so almost a childhood. Uh, so it's yeah. very strange to talk about act, or think about, actually. I think the music doesn't resemble anything else. Very peculiar music. And uh, this is great, and it's... Okay. One, two, three, four. 
Which is that in order? Yeah. Or just, are you putting just them to make one? The, the, <laughs> number one, just the random. Of number two, no, this is a very. I like the the compact songwriting and and the songs, even though it's just some stupid, yeah. <laughs> funny things as well. Uh, but it's my second best album, mm-hmm. and this it holds all the four places. But here I put it on third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, uh, the last, uh, is at the moment right now, maybe it ends up in fourth place. Okay. Well, thank thank you for doing that. I'm sure it must be difficult for yeah, you. Yeah, of course. As you say, they're, they're all your babies, aren't they? It's quite hard to pick. Yeah, them. they are. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much for your time and taking this time to spend with us. We really appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks. And I'm flattered you wanted to um, rank our albums. Oh, well, I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, we pick our favorite songs and then rank the albums, and create yeah. Yeah. and we create a playlist. Thank you very much. It's really brilliant to to meet you and talk to you and hear about Kameda, one of our favorite bands from the from that period. So it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great to actually learn some things. Great. We at last we're not a mystery. Damn. Oh, but thank you very much. Okay, so we're now two or three weeks since we did the interview. Um, John, how did you find the interview? Well, I was quite nervous at first, so I haven't done many music pop star interviews before. Very, very low number, um, approaching zero. And um, so I was quite nervous at first, but, you know, he was such a nice guy and so open and welcoming and friendly that I got quite into it and really quite enjoyed it. And now I want to interview everybody, so... (laughs) It was good fun. It's really interesting finding out about them as well. You, so you you really get to know a lot more about the whole process of, of what it's like being in their position and how they wrote the songs and all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely fascinating. What about you? Yeah, I think similar. I mean, it, it's um, interviewing people is probably more against my personal personality type than it is yours. But I, th- I think the same. It's... I think just talking to people in general is probably against your personality type, isn't it? If we're honest. It is, yeah, completely, really. You're very lucky I'm here with you. But yeah, I think because he was so relaxed and, and friendly, that, that really helped get into it. A bit like yourself, it, it, because there's so little information about Kameda, actually just getting some, some bits and pieces to just adds, adds some depth to some of the music and you can sort of see, you know, obviously the obvious one is Coco, uh, Mimi, Dada, coming after the, you know, the death of parents and and it it does sort of change how you you look at that album a bit oh definitely yeah i mean i I think probably anybody listening to this podcast would making the effort to get this far through a podcast would similarly feel that in order to really kind of understand and enjoy music fully you have to kind of know the story behind it and you have to sort of know who the players are who you know what's going on it's not just a, a simple piece of music there's it's a more interesting experience so for me, this kind of just was adding so many layers to Kameda and made Kameda so much more interesting for me. Absolutely. And I mean, they are interesting enough without this information, but... Well, they're, they're but enjoyable it's just enough. another aspect, I don't, isn't it? Well, I don't know if they're interesting enough. They're enjoyable enough. I think that's the point, because it was just such great pop music, but now they become... Now we've added layers of interestingness onto the layers of enjoyableness. That's what I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no I, I, I agree wholeheartedly, yes. I think the bit that I found most surprising was how seriously they took themselves when they come across as 
so not taking themselves that seriously. They come across as so humorous that I was quite surprised they were, they were actually taking themselves quite so seriously. But you can hear it in the music because the music is so good. It's clearly a band taking themselves seriously. But I hadn't kind of spotted that. I just thought, here's a band that's just a lot of fun. And it, they, were, they were a lot more than that, a lot deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised that they took themselves so seriously because when you listen to the music, it is, it is so good, obviously. Because obviously having the humour and taking yourself seriously they're not mutually exclusive you you can do both and that so that didn't surprise me i thought it was really interesting about the level of confidence they had in themselves yeah which i, I imagine is probably quite unusual and and totally valid listening to the records i i agree with them but it, i imagine that's quite unusual most people are usually quite you know sort of self-critical and self-conscious yeah, they really believed in what they were doing and thought they were really good at it. And they were, of course. I suppose they were just being honest with themselves. And, But yeah, I suppose it, and if you're not a naturally particularly self-confident person who's excelling in an art form, it's quite hard to understand how you can have that confidence. But yeah, they had that confidence. They took themselves seriously. They really worked hard to try and produce something that they thought was good art and then sort of cloaked it in this sort of very humorous packaging. And, and, and I just think they pitched it perfectly. Because they got their jokes landed brilliantly, but they weren't a novelty act. They were just they were you know absolutely rock solid and and really good. And even even some of the where the music kind of had a joke in it, like you mentioned about the start of disco being deliberately overlong. In that, in a sense, is kind of a bit of a gag. But it didn't detract from. It didn't make it a comedy song. It didn't turn them into the Grumbleweeds. No, no. And I think it's not. The, I don't mean the humour is cloaking anything. But the humour is part of the art, and it's. It's just it is just part of what they do. Yeah, I didn't mean cloaking as in hiding. I just yeah. meant it was it was just surrounded it. And it, but it's it's in every aspect of of the physical presentation of, of who they were, and to some extent it's seeping into parts of their music. There was just this humorous thing. Um, but anyway, we've we've talked about that, and I'm just going to end up talking in further circles. So the other thing that we could possibly sort of wanted to mention is the fact of, of a possible other Kameda album which I know obviously they're not going to record anything new, but there definitely is scope for a sort of B-sides rarities album. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, about not recording something new, I mean, I kind of got the impression that, you know, Marcus kind of said, nah, not really, we've moved on. Um, But at the same time, obviously, he keeps in touch with his brother and he works with his brother still. They still do musical things together. Lena lives fairly close um, and they still get on. There's no problem with her. They still get on with Henrik as well. There's no problems between them and obviously music is still a big part of all their lives they all work in music so it doesn't seem to me to be out of the question i just hope we put the idea in his mind and it's there you know rattling away at the back he'll wake up in the middle of the night and start thinking about it and you never know we may have started a little snowball roll in there yeah maybe i've been trying to find extra tracks to come up with this um rare tracks b-sides type album and i've managed to find definitely an album's worth Oh, really? You've got that many? So, yeah, well, I've got... There's tracks called Magnifying Glass and Mellow Song, which are off an old North of North-South compilation from 92. There are a couple of... Like, there's New New No and Check It Out, which are both extra tracks on the albums, which I think they are available on most of the CDs, but they're not available on every on every version, so I've included those two as well. There's Pendergast from Travels in Stereo, there's a song called Mushroom, which is a B-side to It's Alright Baby, which is a cover version of Can. Okay, that was one of their favourite bands, wasn't it? 
can. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a song called Our Connection, which are f- on a compilation called Hitter Mitten 98. There's a song called The Sound of Feeling, which is on A Simple Formality. And I think it's on It's Alright Baby as well. And there's also, Marcus does refer to four extra songs from Coco Me Me Da Da. And he said definitely two of them were okay to release. One called It It Doesn't Matter. And there was another one he didn't give the title of. So there's between two and four tracks there. Well, he said, he said two of them weren't finished. They were just kind of yeah. you know bare bones. But two of them were pretty much ready to go. But unfinished could still be releasable. Yeah, it could be finished as well. You yeah. Know, it depends what's missing, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's also other things. There's um, Dizzy Bossanova, which is an English version track of one of the ones off um, Pop Svenska. There's a song called She's Coming Through from a soundtrack. And they did quite a bit of soundtrack work, so there might even be other songs from soundtracks. So we've pretty much pulled together a new Commander album here, based on you know out- yeah. outtakes and all of that. What? So are we going to release this as a playlist? It, it's not all. It's not on uh, Spotify at all. Oh, oh, okay. Well, There's only one We've been track. scuppered. We've been scuppered there then. I've been trying to collect as much of it as I can on actual CDs, and I've got most of it, but but not all of it. There's also a Simple Formality remix cd as well so if you wanted to, um, to fill it up you could use those so you could probably even get a double album out of it to be honest with everything if you could get everything together and then there's probably one or two tracks i've not managed to find well let's hope that marcus is still listening to this and is getting this idea to marcus get all this stuff together mate and come on let's have this Kameda what out- outtakes album and um Maybe a new album as well, you know, if you need any inspiration, we're here to, to give you some ideas as well. Yeah, well, they could always do um, some kind of launch party with a gig and maybe that will springboard the new album. And need anybody to have backstage passes? I've got a couple of ideas. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what they'll be looking for first. Yeah. Well, let's end this there. So um, okay. hope you found that interview illuminating and interesting and um, hopefully there'll be more interviews on the Jeffrey podcast at some point. <laughs>